be one journalist of the year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Bailey Brothers Building and Loan in Bedford Falls, New York. Now under the management of George Bailey III, Bailey Brothers is known for exceptionally easygoing loan rates. Every time a bell rings, they approve another loan with almost no checking into the background of the applicant. In fact, just a short while ago, they approved a $28,000 loan for a lovely young couple in San Bernardino. So come on down to Bailey Brothers, and remember, it's a wonderful loan. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome to the continuing holiday season edition of The Jim and Mickey Show. Yes. How are you this uh, this this mid December date? Uh, well, one, I am loving this weather for mid December, so that can stay around. That's fine with me. Sorry to all of you who have snow. Move further south. Um, but the other exciting thing that's going on right now, I, I, you know, you kind of alluded to, is it's the holiday season, and I definitely want to wish a happy Hanukkah to all of our listeners who are currently celebrating that, but. As we get into the holiday season, there are certain things that are definitely traditional. And as you mentioned with our sponsor, one of them, uh, for me anyway, is It's a Wonderful Life. And I had an opportunity to watch that over the weekend again. And, you know, it's funny because every time I watch it, I I get something else out of it. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's a very different type of movie. Um I don't know. There just don't seem to be a whole lot of like happy Christmas movies. No, you did make a good point that it's either if Christmas is going to have is going to show up in a movie, um, there's going to be an element of melancholy unless it's an explicit comedy like National Lampoon or Elf or something like that. Okay, out of all the Christmas movies that have been made over the years, Mickey, why do you think It's a Wonderful Life is the one that gets played every year? And I think like it seems like several times during December. Um, I think there's a certain amount of melancholy related to the holidays. Um, you know, not everybody's like happy. Like everyone does the whole Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah, but I think that and Happy Holidays. Um, but I think that part of it is that the holidays can be very depressing for some people. And one of the beautiful themes of It's a Wonderful Life is like appreciating what you have and not necessarily, you know, wanting something else you know and of course in the case of george bailey he sees what is like the whole town would be like if he had died yeah and I a little think bit of give, wish, a little bit of wish fulfillment that if we if we weren't here everything would turn to crap well totally and the thing that i love about it is that like how many spinoffs have you seen on like a number of shows like they talk about scrooge being spun off but it's a wonderful life has been spun off a zillion times um, into sitcoms and movies and other things where people are like, oh, well, see, if I hadn't been here, maybe this is the start of the special snowflake. <laughs> if I hadn't been here, then, you know, the whole world would have gone to hell. It was only you who was preventing the apocalypse, making the precise decisions that you did. And if you had not, it would have uh, it would have turned out terribly. I mean, like, on the one hand, I, I suppose we, we all kind of need that message. 
Um, and it probably is is good and reassuring. Um, am I correct? I seem to remember reading a while back that one of the reasons it, it kept replaying and became such a beloved Christmas classic was because of the copyright, that it was like a very cheap movie for networks correct. to air during the holiday season. Correct. So. Yeah, well, and it, it was back a, in the day of copyright where there really wasn't any copyright except for what the networks had. In that case, it would be very easy to take just about anything and make it a Christmas classic. That you just make it vaguely Christmas related and then you release the copyright to the networks. <laughs> right? And you're like, got a hit for years. And, and, and if I'm not mistaken, and I, I'm going to need listeners help on this because I apparently was too lazy to Google um, before looking this up. But I think that... This is the Christmas movie that was released in June. There's one of the Christmas movies from that time, that era, whether, and I can't remember if it's White Christmas or if it is, um, it's a full life. But one of them was released in June, not thinking of it as necessarily a Christmas movie. Now, if you can explain that, how either of those movies could be seen as not Christmas movies. I'm mm. not sure, but, but 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 huge box office flops, um, and you know I just think it's interesting that now they're so beloved by yeah. so many. Yeah, it's interesting. You are actually um, half right in this. Uh, I'm now looking at Wikipedia. The movie premiered at the Globe Theater in New York on December twentieth, nineteen forty six, to mixed reviews. Ironically. Um, it opened national, you know, it went into general release January seventh, nineteen forty-seven. So, and it was actually only the twenty-sixth best movie of the year right, in terms of, of box office revenues. Yeah, did horribly at box office. Yeah, and, and so the irony, so for the irony is, imagine being, you know, somewhere outside of New York City in nineteen forty-seven, and it's January, and you're going to see a Christmas movie. Right, because right? that's how it was like, then. It took time yeah. to get everything released and out. Yeah, but in other words, like you figure one of the re- one of the reasons you see fewer Christmas movies, and they said you're only seeing really the the top shelf um, musicians releasing Christmas Carol albums. <coughs> it's such a limited shelf life. Mm-hmm. Come January, you know, nobody really wants to listen to Christmas music anymore, uh, and then you end up betting. Come January, hours. around here, it's like December twenty seventh. <laughs> there you go. All right, so you know, <coughs> you can still do. What are you doing New Year's Eve and? Uh, Old Lang Syne and things like that. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can still sing Old Lang Syne. But no, you're right. I mean, once Christmas is over, we're like, okay, done. Done. Everybody's done with Christmas. Nobody wants to hear any more about Here's Christmas. Here's the other question. You, you and I have lamented that stores begin putting up the Christmas decorations way too early. Having said that, here we are. We are past Thanksgiving. We are right in the heart of it. And I'm finding that three weekends during Christmas season is simply not enough for all the stuff, all the stuff we want to do and we have to do. How does that happen? I mean, honestly, I'm totally with you. You know, we discussed this. Like, I was pissed that there were Christmas decorations in the stores before Halloween. And suddenly Christmas is upon us. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have so much to do. I have done nothing. I'm so (laughs) ill-prepared. So exactly, like there has to be happy balance, is it? And I, I don't remember ever being as ill prepared as I am this year. I'm glad like, to I hear a like woman this is- saying this stuff, by the way, because I know for men, I've always said Black Friday is December 24th, regardless of whether it's Friday or not. <laughs> right, right, no doubt, no doubt. That I mean, that is. I mean, Cam mentioned that last week. That is when dudes go shop, like, like the day before Christmas. <laughs> That's right. 
I am normal. It must normal. tie into the, the, the number of weekends you have after Thanksgiving. I think because so. Because, you know, the 28th, 29th of November. Okay, so nobody's going to do their Christmas stuff yet, right? Because everybody's still coming back from Thanksgiving. So oh, then not you've got, in this neighborhood. I, I'm actually looking at the calendar. You've got the 5th, 6th. You got twelfth, thirteenth. You got nineteenth, twentieth, and by having Christmas on a Friday, we don't have that other weekend in December. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, so you've lost that. So really, what might be a four weekend holiday season is really now down to three. And now you know, there's there's places we always want to go. You want to visit the the big Christmas tree downtown. You want to do caroling. This, this, you know, everybody's Did you know, still this, carol. I'm sorry. You said go caroling. I, I'm just wondering if people actually still. Carol. There are choral groups and things like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it's been a while since I've seen a group of carolers. Although I did do it in like fourth grade, I think. Well, I was going to say, if you, you have to, because otherwise you would never be able to pull off the exceptionally implausible, creepy scene from Love Actually, in which the guy goes to the, uh, oh, yeah. the front door of Kira Knightley. And pretends to be carolers, and then he does one, you know, sign after another, basically saying, "Hey, I'm totally into you, even though you're married, and um, we're all going to pretend that this is sweet and beautiful, and not that it's really creepy." And oh, by the way, I kind of, you know, stalker-like recorded you. Like oh, this is always good for at least one angry debate essay per per December. Yeah, this yeah, scene well, from this movie. Well, love actually is a debate. I mean, it, it's like the Die Hard. Of rom-coms. In the sense that you mentioned it, love actually is equivalent to Christmas for everyone. But it seems to be one of those things that very different ideas on whether or not it was good for Christmas or bad. Okay. What was your... I'd like to think that the birth of Christ will survive a good or bad British, uh, you know, romantic comedy. But what what is your assessment on love actually, Mickey? Since this is, you know, next to Die Hard, the single most controversial topic. Oh, yes. Of the holiday season. But without a doubt, the single most controversial holiday film um, is Love Actually behind Die Hard, obviously. Um, the thing about it is, is I really like Love Actually. Um, but I'm one of those people who likes that type of movie. Um, that particular one, obviously, the, where you have a huge cast and you know so many storylines going on at one time, that's my kind of movie. There are some people who get don't like the getting caught yeah. up in all of that, but there were a lot of people who got really picky mm-hmm. about specific, like you said, scenes and things like that. Meanwhile, I thought I think it's a great movie. Um, I thought I remember like when he does that caroling scene, you feel bad again because it's a Christmas movie. You're supposed to feel sad at some point. Um, you feel bad for kind of both of them. Yeah, I. Yeah, okay, if she's in a situation. Obviously, she doesn't want to be in. Wait, no. There's, she, there's no indication she's not happy with her husband. Well, or, or are you saying that she's unhappy? She's not happy to be the object of his affection. Yeah, like it's just it, like they both have that kind of look on their faces. That the uh, if like, only. Yeah. yeah, like he's desperate, and she's like, "Aw." Yeah. Like, see, I, the other thing is that everyone always says, "How does that scene end?" Because I had always left it. Was, he, at the end of it, he says, "Enough." And I don't know whether he's saying it to himself. He says it quietly to himself. And so the question is whether he's saying that's enough for now or that's enough. I've told her what I feel about her and I've you know, done this and now I need to 
move on with my life. You know, I have always seen very, it as like that was his final thing. Yeah. And, I, I remember the first time I saw it, I got the impression he's saying, that's enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> indicating that in some sequel, I'm going to try to break up their marriage. And, because uh, stalkers are important at Christmas. Yeah, it really is odd and weird. The only thing, the, the other thing I will observe about the movie, it has a very short cameo by Rowan Atkinson, aka Black Adder and Mr. Bean. Uh-huh. Um, and he, you know, playing the guy behind the counter, who's the pain in the tuchus when he needs to buy the uh, buy the fancy necklace for his for his mistress, mm-hmm. uh, um, Hans Gruber. And uh, which, by the way, it'd be a much better movie, by the way, if Alan Rickman was playing Hans Gruber in that role. But anyway, <laughs> yes. to, you know, to bring the the Christmas movies together. Well, Alan um, Rickman anyway. all movies better. But anyway, like, so the moment he appears on scene, I, I went to watch this. If not, you know, like the opening week or something, and the audience just started laughing from his appearance, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of a good, clear sign that, like. Um, you know this guy has a, a great comedic reputation where just simply by appearing on screen and smiling, the audience knows something ridiculous and, and hilarious is going to happen. So uh, kudos to Rowan Atkinson. I think people will be chewing over this movie and it's rather awful, you know. <laughs> Hi, I'm the British Prime Minister and I'm, I'm you know, charming and first no, let me let me go see if I can get my tea girl, you know, uh, scenes for a long time to come. Well, we this is a very movie. See, now you're cracking me up because to me, Love Actually is about the little boy. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the post nine eleven scene where he runs through airport security. Yes, yes, that's great. <laughs> no, because he's like, I'm going to learn how to, you know, play an instrument to impress a chick. Yeah, that was so precious. That whole storyline, and then like you know, when it didn't work out, he was like, eh. You know, that, and again, I think that's why these kind of movies do get so much discussion because people focus in on different characters when you have an ensemble cast like that. And so many storylines going on that people get caught up in different ones. So I'd love to hear from our listeners. Um, you know, we hear about Die Hard all the time, but let's start this love actually debate because I want to know uh, what you think about it. Is it a great movie? Is it a not good movie? Have you even seen it? Um, I can't imagine how you couldn't have. Um, And coming up in the next section, we're going to be talking about a movie that I can guarantee you I won't be paying any money to see. Mm. And uh, with that, I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And uh, we'll be right back. What shape your stomach's in, when it gets out of shape, take Alka-Seltzer. When hay fever pollen invades your sinuses, brings runny nose, watery eyes, take Dristan. Dristan's like sending your sinuses to Arizona. Hi, and welcome back. I'm Mickey White, along with Jim Garrity, and you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. I introduced this segment, um, or teased it, rather, by saying this movie that we're going to talk about now is one that I will never pay a dollar to see. And that movie, of course, is Concussion. And I personally have issues with it simply because I've known people who have had concussions from many other things outside of football. I think it's um, an odd study the way that it is done. Um, I think that it's an absolutely unnecessary film and I question Will Smith's motives in even taking the role. I mean, I know it's Oscar bait, but it's just 
it looks more boring than draft day. And I'm trying to figure out outside of the obvious controversy how it gets greenlighted because I do wonder since it's been well known for a long time that football has overtaken baseball as kind of America's sport, how well it'll be received at the box offices. What I can tell you is it won't be getting any of my money. Um, I personally believe that there are flaws with both the study and also I believe in, I know you're going to die with when I say this, but free choice, um, personal responsibility and free will, the one that God gave us, not the government. And it's very frustrating for me to see people start trying to ban things that other people not only enjoy, um, but make a living doing. And whether they talk about being for underage or, you know, the long-term effects, I, 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 there's where I'm at with it, Jim. Okay. There's a lot I couldn't to have laid that. it out more clearly, I don't think. Oh, uh, oh yes, you could have. So for starters, uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment <laughs> release, uh, in, is in releasing Concussion. Uh, it focuses on the death and dementia that professional football players have endured from repeated hits to the head um, and you know, portrays the, the National Football League's uh, effort covering it up. Uh, one of the things I find interesting from the trailer is that this is very much the NFL. This is not the, you know, um, imaginary other American football association. You know, it's it's not a fictional stand-in for the NFL. It is the they NFL. They prayed the rights or they had the story. Yeah. Um, and there's some, apparently some studio emails indicating that they had uh, altered the script and marketing to make it more of a whistleblower story than a condemnation of football or the league. Um I, I haven't really decided whether I'm going to watch it or not. Um, I, I guess we'll kind of you know, we'll, we'll backtrack a bit. So you seem to have a problem with the research uh, in, in your previous work. What, what is your problem with the research there, Mickey? Well, it, if you are only studying those that are playing football and not studying those that play soccer, that ride horses, um, that swim, um, that do gymnastics, I mean – there are tons of ways that people get concussions as a child. Some not even from playing sports. Sometimes people just fall down or fall out of trees, things like that. Okay. Um, I, I assume you wouldn't dispute the idea that multiple concussions can do brain damage, right? Or, or does that seem conspiratorial to you? It seems – well, and again, I am someone – and people are going to die laughing with this right now um, – I've actually had so many concussions, I've lost count. Really? And yes. Okay, let's 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 try to get a guesstimate here. Um, like, I don't really I know. Say? I mean, I started. I, I had my first real live take you to the emergency room concussion um, when I was seven years old. Wow. Okay. And it was I got it while I was swimming in a pool. Okay. Uh, we were swimming laps. Uh, one girl was swimming into the to do the turn. I was swimming out, and we whacked heads, and I basically got knocked almost out. Um, and she was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my parents, because I, you know, I obviously was exhibiting some weird symptoms. That was my very first concussion. I have been, you know, keep in mind, I'm a pretty active girl. So that's part of it. You know, I've had a couple where, believe it or not, it was, I was actually coaching a football team and um, I, and the other team's ball came in and hit me just so on the head and dropped me. Mm-hmm. 
um, for a concussion. So again, you know, there's lots of different things that I've done both, you know, I, I like to get out in nature and climb and do things. So, you know, concussions there. So how many concussions have you had from climbing? I don't know. Um, not <laughs> that many. I mean, I, honestly, I say like, you know, a multitude of them, but I, I have probably had legit, you know, you have a concussion, not just kind of shaken up situation. I have probably had that at least seven times in my life. Wow. All right. So and, if- and, and then that's a really low estimate. I would probably say upwards of 10 because I've always – like I played softball. I got hit face with a softball. <laughs> so if I want to contend that multiple concussions can cause memory problems, confusion, and difficulty counting, wouldn't you be exhibit A from what you're describing here? No. No, 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 no. It just, you know, again, to me, it's just one of those things where if you were to look at all children across the board, right, they are going to get hurt. Now, is it going to be during football? Not if you don't put your kid in football, right? Um, Ironically, actually, one of mine came from playing football when I was a kid. Uh, But again, I got one swimming. I've gotten, you know, a million different uh, swimming actually is where I've gotten most of them because what I would, I had a tendency to hit the wall with my head because you would be counting. If you were doing backstroke, you counted in and you have, when you're young and you're learning, what you don't realize is when you're counting at practice, you're not going as fast as when you're counting during an actual meet. So you have a tendency to hit the wall a little faster than you might originally. And so whack it. And again, that was my thing as a kid because I was into swimming. But do you think, I mean, does this make you pause? I have two sons. Yeah. Does this make um, you pause? Yeah. Um, Mrs. Campaign Spot has, has been pretty adamant. She doesn't like the, my, my boys are eight and five right now. So it's a little early for anything like Pop Warner or something like this. Um, they're getting into football. They're enjoying watching the games with me. Um, I, I'll be honest, look, hearing the, the studies that they've had, watching the suicides of the, the junior Seau's and Dave Duerson's of the world, um, you know, it, it does give me pause. Um, would you want somebody you love playing something um, and possibly having, you know, serious issues down the road? And, and it's, you know, it's sore knees are one thing. Uh, a brain not working the way it's supposed to is is another and obviously much more serious. Um, there's an op-ed in the New York Times just today by the guy who you know Will Smith plays in the movie making the argument that kids should not be playing football under age 18. Uh, basically saying that, look, it's one thing for the pros who know the risks and are, are they can have informed consent. Uh, it's another thing for kids uh, who basically can't make informed consent about something like this. Um, I, I think if this were actually to, you know, to, to go forth, it would be a, you know, obviously, if not be the end of football, would have a dramatic, you know, uh, reduction in the number of people who can play it. But I don't know. So since these studies have come out, Mickey, do you look at professional football any differently? Or do you think anything about these guys um, running the risks of having serious mental issues down the road? I think that we've had a few suicides um, that a, a lot of people have, you know, chosen to blame the concussions for, et cetera. But I never ever hear mentioned of all of the supplements, quote unquote, that these people took um, prior to falling apart or the ego or, you know, need for attention and therapy and adoration, perhaps, that may have led them down this path. Um, I think it's unfair to say that 
oh, well, if you've had a bunch of concussions, then this is, you know, what the the outcome will be. And I also think it's unfair. You know me. I just don't like restricting people from doing things that they enjoy. And I happen to have had um, cousins who went to college on football (gasps) scholarships. Um, and they happen to be doing very well. In fact, one of them is a quarterback um, for, a, 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 I won't get into the college, um, but one from Pennsylvania. And he's doing very well. And uh, he's now actually, he's completing his master's degree at another university and is living in Arizona is exceptionally bright. Um, so I think it's, it's unfair to suggest that those who play football, it, it, and it's almost to me, I guess, a little bit of bias baked in. In the sense of, you know, well, it's a football player and, you know, they're too dumb to know better. No, they, well, they like this. I, I don't think I, – I think, I think that I would dispute uh, – anyone who would be making that argument would be wrong. Having said that, I think for, for the pros, you know, I'm, I'm glad the league has instituted new you know, concussion protocols, the tests on the sideline, not allowing, not allowing them back into the game. Um, things like that are – on the one hand, they're just common sense. But the second thing is that um, – for the player, players are going to want to play. Players are going to want to play because that's who they are. It's their mission in life. It's their purpose in life. Uh, players are not always the best assessors of their own long-term interest. Well, and here's is that a harsh thing. thing to say? Or no, no. In fact, it's a perfect thing to say um, because here's the thing: on our, during our last Steeler game, Ben actually took himself out um, because he believed he was exhibiting concussion symptoms. Mm-hmm. And there was a great deal made about it within the league because, you know, they felt like he's Big Ben, he's invincible. If he's willing to take himself out, they saw it as, like, a really big sign to the league. Like, it, you know, basically you're not a pussy if you go out for a concussion. And I want to remind every one of them that he went out four plays afterwards and that the the head-to-head co- contact that gave him the concussion got neither a penalty nor a fine from the NFL. So if they're really serious about concussions, let's look at you know those type of hits that cause them before we start looking at whether or not it was because they played Pop Warner in the most gigantic helmet you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Maybe their heads were like pinballs in their helmets going around in a pinball machine. Those right. things didn't exactly fit when I was a kid, I remember. Well, the thing is, uh, my stepson played Pop Warner, and I mean, and some of those kids, man, they're good. They've been you—you you can tell like they are born to play football. That was not necessarily what was the deal with my stepson. However, they were like eight years old, and they're out there in their full pads and the big—I mean, their helmets look like those big balloon helmets. Yes, it looks like the, <laughs> the uniforms themselves are alive and are yes. kind of running around. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, little it's, tiny figures inside, like a hermit yeah, crab inside a shell. Like, he could bounce off of anything and not feel a thing because I mean like honestly I they they make it sound like Pop Warner is like the NFL I suggest anyone who thinks that actually go watch a Pop Warner game half well, the time okay. they don't even know what play is being called maybe around our New Year's show we should do it a segment on paying college athletes because if you are assuming a certain amount of risk not just oh, your yeah. ligaments and ACLs and things like that if you're risking, you know, perhaps serious health issues down the road, maybe you should be getting a cut of that bowl money. Maybe you should be getting a, kid, a, a bit of uh, you know, beyond compensation for that. I, but, I look forward to that discussion. Okay. Uh, we, will have to, we have one more uh, movie discussion coming down the pike. We'll be looking at the man who either 
created your childhood or perhaps destroyed your childhood and a certain award he just received right after this. Kids are impressionable. That's why here at this station, we watch the programs and commercials your child watches carefully. He may see bad guys, but not in the role of heroes. And he'll learn that crime doesn't pay. Because your child's welfare is our concern, too. That's part of our code. The code of the National Association of Broadcasters for television and the greater public interest. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. You know, this past weekend, the entire country was uh, focusing and riveted on the president offering an important update on the war on terrorism. Uh, but immediately afterwards, he went across town to the Kennedy Center, where the Kennedy Center honors were being held, honoring five distinguished contributors to American arts, including filmmaker George Lucas. creator of Jar Jar Binks. Um, and so I want to point out, now, you know, Mickey, you've, you've observed that I tend to get a little obsessive about these things, but I'm going to, when I say George Lucas to you. These what, things being many things, by the way. Um, George Lucas, like, do you, does, do you come, does he, is he, is he on the light side of the force for you or the dark side of the force? <laughs> you know, what, what comes to mind when I say that name? Star Wars. Okay. I, I know I'm supposed to have feelings. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to have feelings. But when I think I, – maybe I'm the Yoda instead of the, the you know, which side of the force are you on in the, in the um, Lucas situation. Because I would consider myself representative of the non-Star Wars fans. Yeah, that's right. I'll take the hate mail this week. You know how to reach <laughs> me at Bias Girl. Um, and you can always put it up on our Facebook page. Uh, but – I, as you know, and now I'm admitting to everyone, I, I've only seen the first three, and I mean the first three, not the whatever. And I've, according to you all, I've never had my childhood written, which is great. But I also don't have the same attachments because I've only seen the first three like one time each. Mm. Okay, so okay, and I heard that judgment in your voice, by the way. I heard, I heard it. My observation, so, so mm-hmm. obviously I'm among those who found the prequels to be a deep disappointment. And I bless them to get into the minutia of, of why they turned out so bad or, or, or the plot points or characterization or things like that. I'll just observe the original Star Wars, referred to as A New Hope by the fans, came out in 1977, was by George Lucas, who had been up until then a not terribly successful filmmaker. American Graffiti was one hit. Uh, this this you know obscure sci-fi hit THX one one three eight, and this is a guy who all of a sudden is given a decent sized budget to make this you know kind of fairy tale in space. Twentieth century Fox doesn't think he knows what he's talking about. Everybody thinks this is you know no one understands it. It looks ridiculous without the effects. This is a hungry guy. This is a guy who's getting his big shot. And you look at the entire tone of the storytelling, right? I mean, this is, you know, we, we talk about the argument of, you know, Han shooting first, right? This is like, you know, characters get their arms cut off fairly regularly <laughs> in that movie, right? Uh, you know, Aunt Beru and Uncle Ben. You There's see, a you sense see, of urgency 
yes, in that movie. Yes, you know, exactly. This, this, you know, this is the classic first hit of every performer. We, you know, last, we were talking about uh, Adele last week. And we were talking about how hard the sophomore slump it is for performers, right? Fast forward to the prequel trilogy. George Lucas has made a bazillion dollars through both the movies and the merchandising for the original trilogy. He's had a hand in the Indiana Jones movies. And then kind of year by year, you start to see George Lucas's storytelling skills start to leave him. Whether it's Howard the Duck, <laughs> whether it's uh, Tucker, a man. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. He was behind Howard the Duck. He was behind Howard the Duck, Mickey. And early I can't Tucker- now decide if I like him more or less. I'm now having issues. Okay. But anyway, the the making of you know he said it has its moments. I mean, you know, (laughs) Leah Thompson. Yes. Um, So we Ah, of course you remember her, a guy much later in life, such a type, who's been living really obviously a very you know happy luxurious lifestyle. Had some hardships. He went through a a divorce, but all you know when he returns returns to filmmaking in the the late nineties, he is a guy who has been living high on the hog for a long time. And all of that urgency I described in the making of Star Wars. Like the, the Star Wars prequels were going to be a hit no matter how good or bad they were. In the eyes of a lot of people, they weren't that good. Um, and, and so I kind of wonder if as we look at uh, rising filmmakers, whether it's J.J. Abrams, whether it's anybody else, whether it's possible, if you are, if you are a creator, um, somebody who has to come up with inspiration on a regular process, on a regular, uh, because that's what you do, whether it just kind of always naturally escapes people um, or whether you become a caricature of yourself or something like that. I kind of feel like you know, that George Lucas is this like really amazing. Like throwing it in, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. a cautionary tale of be careful what you wish for. Be care of, be, beware of getting what you always wanted <coughs> because it may cost you in the end uh, everything that makes you so good on your way up. Interesting. I, I, you know, if you want to see that story and fast forward, please feel free to look into the guy who um, wrote and directed Moondock Saints. Ah, oh. well, that's wasn't he? He got like a bazillion dollar for the screenplay, and like it took forever to make. And, mm-hmm. well, yeah, yeah. Like after, I mean, Boondock Saints was and it is, in my opinion, a fantastic movie, and was very original and fun and adventurous and scary. I liked it. Um, and, and some would say it's a, you know, it's one of the better films of the last 20 years without a doubt, um, mm-hmm. from start to finish and casting and writing and everything. But then he, you know, he became uber famous overnight because he went from being a complete unknown to this, the guy who, you know, created these characters and this movie that we love. Wasn't he a bartender who made like a million dollar, you know, screenplay or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this was like an out of nowhere thing. And then, of course, obviously, the the heavy advance gets placed on him. And suddenly he's, you know, basically gets writer's block. He ends up, you know, being very difficult to work with. And he kind of pulls the don't you know who I am in Hollywood. Um. Where people are like, yeah, you're that guy who made that one movie. Yeah. And so, like, if you want to see the, yeah. the, you know, that and fast forward, there's a great one. But I, I, to me, I think, I think it's interesting because Lucas has moved into so many other aspects that of of different art forms. And mm. I say this as you know, I used to recruit for a college that specifically targeted filmmakers mm-hmm. and people who were interested in film. And we had many, many students who ended up working out at Lucas Ranch. 
And Lucas Ranch is something entirely different because it's completely set up as kind of his own version of the Imaginations Factory. Yes. Where they're able to... be away from Hollywood. Yes, it's away from Hollywood. Um, It encourages... And he actually invites many different types of filmmakers there, whether it be people who do computer animation or people who are traditional film. But he's much more interested in where film is going, Mm. I think. And I think that that's an interesting part of him that's going to be hard for the fans. Like, I think he would have been better off to have just left the first three alone. Yeah. But I think he wanted it. The fans wanted it. They did the second trilogy, and then everyone was kind of like, and again, for some millennials, they love that, and mm-hmm. and some Gen Xers or whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days. But they, there were some people who weren't as attached to the first set that really, really liked the second set, and then there are others that would like stab <coughs> you for saying that, which I love, by the way. I love fans that are like yeah. that committed. The, the, we, as you say, stab them for saying that. I don't know if you can hear me unsheathing something. Uh, <laughs> but I'll make the observation. Here's where, you know, I, I said I wasn't going to get into the plot, but I'm just going to observe. I, I have this suspicion that if you live like a billionaire for a long stretch of time um, and you live in a bubble of, of you know, uh, the high and mighty and all that stuff, your, your perspective, you begin to lose touch with how people actually see things. And if there's one thing I think people love about the original trilogy, it's, you know, very clear heroes, very clear villains, right? I mean, iconic heroes and villains. And you get to the prequel trilogy, and not only are, with uh, only a couple exceptions, people say it's not clearer, you have allegedly heroic characters kind of shrugging their shoulders at the existence of slavery. <laughs> and just go, nah, what are you going to do about it? And and there was kind of and, and like this is something that bothers the audience, but apparently <laughs> no point in the process did it seem to make Lucas um, realize that he, you know in the eyes of the audience his heroes would not be seen as being heroic, um, and that there's they have this this very tangled, complicated view of morality um, in which they're willing to cheat and not willing to cheat, and when they're willing to use force and when they're not willing to use force, and it's this very like the the, the people who were supposed to be rooting for aren't always acting heroically and you know, the entire argument. Sorry. Isn't that what makes great characters though? No, I think it just comes across as it it doesn't, (laughs) it it comes across as confusing and and confused. Um, You're, you're being told that certain characters are heroes and villains instead of naturally gravitating and rooting for them. And in fact, that's the, the kind of the, the somewhat tongue in cheek joke amongst conservatives since the second uh, prequel came out. The argument that, in retrospect, the Empire looks like the good guys. In retrospect, the Empire <laughs> is trying to bring order to a chaotic galaxy. Oh um, hey, order has <laughs> value. Had sometimes, you know. That's great. Jonathan Last, Sonny <laughs> Bunch. So now you're cheering for Darth Vader? Is that, is that what I've got now? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> oh, you know, which we were supposed to be with this noble, you know, uh, you know, it was actually kind of like the UN. It was a useless debating society, could not prevent invasion of one world by another. Um, somebody needed to restore order. Somebody had to, you know, to, to upend from the chaos. Palpatine Ladies and gentlemen, we have our headline. Jim Garrity supports Darth Vader. Look, tough times call for strong leaders. And, uh, <laughs> 
Mickey, he will make the galaxy great again. Okay, <laughs> we cannot have these aliens across our borders. You know, we're gonna have a clear, beautiful, gorgeous, classy empire. It's gonna be huge. <laughs> I am literally speechless. <laughs> There we go. Good time so, to wrap. Yeah, so probably, you know, so we're, we're also building up not only Christmas, but, you know, episode seven comes out. Mickey, you're okay with making the entire show that week all about Star Wars, right? We haven't, we haven't discussed it enough lately, right? I, I can't commit to the entire show, but I suggest that we will probably have at least one, if not two, segments on it. Or five. Or, or, you know, or whatever. Or five. If, if that's what, episode. you know, yeah. if, if that's in fact what ends up happening... I promise for those of you not, Jim, um, I'll make sure that it's still entertaining. There's something else in there. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on that happy note, having discussed absolutely everything, after, after discussing things that, we, uh, that some people might find juvenile, <coughs> we will turn to more adult subjects in the next segment, including a $2 million bra. Keep it right here. Player. Player. How long you guys been in Mexico? A week. I mean, they did that day. Which one is it? A week or a day? It's a weekday. You got any narcotics or marijuana in here? <coughs> uh, not anymore. The holidays would not be the same without that annual classic, the Christmas Hanukkah. Um, every other holiday feeling that you get that special that brings your heart joy the Victoria's Secret Christmas special joy 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 it's, it's joy the to joy. the world and, and it brings joy to everyone it brings joy to men it brings joy to women for so many different reasons but it is one of the things that brings America together in a way that I truly believe it's becoming an American classic. It, it the no Victoria's longer... Secret fashion show is, in my opinion, now a part of our pop culture that's more important than the Miss America pageant. It, it is uplifting. Um, <laughs> both the product and the programming. <laughs> Uh, it does not separate <laughs> us. It brings us closer together, like a wonder ball. <laughs> so, so, I actually did not catch it this year, uh, Mickey. I, I, so, two thoughts. So you before before the show, you raised the question. So, is this programming designed? You know, is is it, are, when when was it CBS that broadcast this? Um, I believe that's who did it last night. Yeah. yeah. So, so is this? You know, no, no, no. They, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was. I, I can't remember. It was CBS or NBC. Are they aiming for the male demographic or the female demographic? Both. Okay. So do women watch it? And if so, like... Yes. You know, okay, why? Um, one, because they do a fantastic runway show. And for someone who, like, like me, I'm probably never going to get to Fashion Week. And you get to see clips of a runway walk like that in, you know, in some bits and pieces. But to actually be part of the show... That's exciting. Um, they roll out their fantasy lines um, just like they would with a, a traditional you know, fashion rollout like Fashion Week. And so they tend to be avant-garde and artistic. And, of course, they're called the angels, the Victoria's Secret angels. So they have their wings and they have – I mean, it's beautiful. 
And it gives you ideas as a chick of things you might want to pick up. And certainly things that you would love to have as, you know, you led into this segment with a $2 million bra. And it may have even been more this year. It was absolutely stunning. And, um, you know, if somebody wants to buy me that, I'm okay with that. I'd walk around in a $2 million bra. Now, I will say this. I probably wouldn't wear a shirt over it. I would probably just wear the bra. Like, just the bra and... Some you know something on the bottom. Oh, I don't no, know. no, but, no, no. That's you just said just the bra. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> no one. Wants I, I was going to say that. one. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what's the point of having? You know, I, at this point, you could say, well, I'm wearing two million dollar underwear right now. <laughs> like, what's the point if you can't? If no one's going to see it. Um, and then the next thing is, um, so let's say you've got the two million dollar bra. So, like, is Mr. Bias around, allowed to, like, tear it off of you? No, no, be careful with that. It's $2 million. You know, okay, let me be clear right carefully. now. Mr. Bias is not allowed to, quote, tear off anything I purchase at Victoria's Secret. That shit is expensive. Um, so, like, there are certain rules that go along with good lingerie. Like, if you want to have a tear-off session, then, you know, I'm going to need to stop by, you know, another store. Because there is nothing at Victoria's Secret that I purchased Walmart, yes. that you are going to be tearing off this body. You're going to have to hire jewelers to get the $2 million bra off you. Forget tear. Not even remove. You need experts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd have to have experts then <laughs> to have it taken off and whatnot. But obviously, the whole the, the, the discussion, though, always leads to... You know, are women wearing lingerie for themselves? You know, as you just suggested, I would be doing. Or are they wearing it for men? As you suggested, you would think I'd be doing it for Mr. Bias. But in reality, I'm doing it for me. I don't even know sometimes. Like, I I, I bet if I, like, if we had a conversation and and he said, you know, how many, you know, we'll say teddies um, or bustiers does Mickey have? He would be like, one. Untrue. But we know these things happen off times in the dark. <laughs> and we know that these things off times happen, you know, like at times where you're not really thinking necessarily about what the other person is wearing. So I'm not, He's not taking inventory. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He's not really focusing on the packaging, so to speak. Um, so, but the thing is about this is, is I still buy them because I like them. Like I, I feel like very sexy. I feel very pretty. Um, I don't always shop at Victoria's Secrets because they are so ridiculously expensive, even for just their normal stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm one of those people who likes to go and pick out pretty things. Now, is it something that I wear to bed every night? Hell no. Um, but on special occasions and things like that, and certainly for every day where any woman will tell you, a good foundation garment makes the outfit. All right. So that's very important to have a good bra, whether it's a Victoria's Secret bra or not. And like I said, I think chicks really get into it. And this year it was exciting because we also had Kylie Jenner walking and Gigi Hadid. And they are, in my opinion, (laughs) the two up-and-coming supermodels. They're like the, you know, kind of Christy Brinkley, uh, Cindy Crawford's of their generation because they are not only built like models they are also gorgeous girls and kylie jenner doesn't have to do what her sister does and go to lane bryant to buy bottoms <laughs> <laughs> it was so, kendall by the way I said I'm kylie. Make, 
Sorry, my mistake. I'm going to make one observation about this. And I remember a couple of years ago watching the grand finale where they bring out all the models at once. Mm-hmm. Now, we've observed, I'm a fan of the female form as much as the next guy. Um, and indisputably, the Victoria's Secret models are some of those beautiful women on Earth. Having, you know what struck me, though, Mickey, was that they were all pretty much the same height. It, it kind of felt like it was like a cloning factory. They were all coming yeah, out. I mean, it, one well, after that's because another. you're looking at runway models. That, they're built to wear a size zero or a size two. No normal woman can ever look like that. Like that. And and what's really cool is like Lane Bryant did. Lane Bryant is actually um, owned by the same company as Victoria's Secret, huh. and they did another lingerie show for plus women, plus size women, which is awesome because it's great to know that there are options out there now. Um, for women of all sizes. I have no problem with Victoria's Secret models looking like runway models because that's their job. That's what they get paid to do. I guess it was the, the uniformity of the height. Um, and I assume that there's some sort of like, you know, minimum height requirement to be a supermodel or to be a Victoria's Secret mm-hmm. model. And it just kind of struck me as, uh, I mean, they, they had, you know, ethnic diversity and all that stuff, but it still felt like they were coming off an assembly line. And I can, I think you can That's say kind this, of part this of the is, point, but you do well, realize that some, almost all of these Victoria's Secret models were literally plucked from obscurity by okay. someone to be in this. So it gives them an opportunity that they may have never had. And, and they do it for, you know, women from all over the world and giving them places where now they have not only income, but they have a lifestyle and opportunities to do basically whatever they want to do after oh, being Oh, Mickey, you this. talk about this as if it's opportunities to the underprivileged, but what about the risk of concussions? <laughs> to bring it full Someday I will get you all to take fashion seriously as a business because it truly is, and it's a big business in America, and I think that that's something that we need, you know, I mean, look at like Project Runway. My God, people can't no. take their eyes off that stuff. Oh, I could take my eyes off it very easily. <laughs> well, okay, not and no, you, I will not look at Project Runway. <laughs> not you, but normal people. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll be right back. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. You killed him. Well, duh. What part of sudden death didn't you understand? Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And once again, one of the fastest hours of our week has passed by. But uh, Mickey, you said that from uh, our our Richmond branch office uh, that there's dramatic (laughs) new developments in the world of the Richmond tacky light uh, uh, world. Yes. um, Two of my favorite things are being brought together like peanut butter and jelly. And Uber is now offering tacky light tours here. I told you we took our tacky Christmas lights seriously. That's something that um, you know we are known for and have been known for for many years, way before it was trendy. Christmas, trust me, Richmond was on it. Um, I have said this before. I will say it again. Richmond is the San Francisco of the Southeast. 
Mm. Um, and we are quirky and 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 odd, but certainly just one of the most interesting and unique towns you're ever going to uh, step into. And just last night, there was a tacky light run, a 5K, where people were actually dressed as tackily and lit up things as possible and ran a 5K in it. You know, I have the sneaking suspicion that someday in the future we will uncover this giant public relations campaign encouraging people to participate in this is you know grand bacchanalian excess of tacky lights, all <laughs> underwritten by Dominion Power. <laughs> the Duracell sponsored by Dominion Power, and um, yeah, no, it, it's just something that, as I said, here in Richmond we take great pride in, and it's what inspired our contest. You can enter to win a signed copy of. Heavy Lifting by Jim Garrity and Cam Edwards, our guest from last week. Um, and it's it's a great opportunity by just sending us pictures of tacky lights or, or just Christmas lights in general. Send us pictures of your house, your neighbor's house, anything, as long as the pictures are pictures that you have taken and you have the rights to. Send them to us. You can put them on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show um you can also send them to us on twitter that's at jim and mickey you can email them to us you can also reach out to us through um our different websites etc and uh, just send those pictures out and one of you will be selected to get a signed copy hopefully in time for christmas the deadline for this is um we need to make the deadline next this upcoming Tuesday, so the date on that is Jim. <laughs> I love how you're the master to, of the calendar. You're that the master be, of the calendar, yes. Uh, that would be the 15th of December. Uh, so before the next Republican debate for everyone out there. Keep that oh, in dear God. Okay. Well, that's what's on my calendar, okay? <laughs> Something else I don't plan on watching. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, for those of you who just – don't even want to hear those words right now. Um, our deadline is going to be December 15th. And just send us pictures. And look, it, it, they don't have to be spectacular. They don't have to be fantastic. Just share your pictures with us. Um, and, and really thank you to those of you who have already sent so many in. Um, I'm enjoying taking a look at your your Christmas themes, um, your neighborhoods. They're fantastic. It's something I thoroughly enjoy. And for you know a time of year that can be very difficult for some people, it's one of the things that I think really does bring the Christmas spirit home. It is. Now, I have a question for you, Mickey. All these people in your neck of the woods who have these spectacular light displays. Yes. Do they remember to take – like at the end of the night, do people come out and turn the lights out? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I've forgotten to do that a couple times this week. And I can only imagine what the electric bill is going to be having had Christmas lights on all night long and waking well, up. Well, I mean, well, that's the, I mean, I know that that happens a great deal around the neighborhood, but most of the ones with the big setups are on timers. Ah, uh, should have so thought of that. So they come on at a certain time and they go off. You don't time. live next door to Julia Louis-Dreyfus, do you, uh, Jim? <laughs> you know, no one. We, we are we, we are right at the baseline for the neighborhood. Uh, there are a couple of folks. The other thing also is that I'm sure somewhere someone's done some great psychological profile on whether you have multicolored lights or all white lights. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Someone, it, yeah, well, yes, and of it's course, only a matter of time. Let us, let us not forget, you know, our Jewish friends who like to do all blue lights, which I love. 
And it looks nice. Looks I, I love it. I mean, I really do. I, I, I just like, you know, it's interesting because obviously Hanukkah is about lighting, you know, the, the lighting of the candles and Christmas is about the lighting of the trees, etc. And I do think there's something to adding just a little bit of light in the world, even if it's through, you know, a Christmas light. I was going to say, this all stems from uh, celebrations marking the beginning of winter. The nights are longer. We need something cheerful. And uh, with the year we've had, it's underneath, un- undoubtedly a time for some good cheer. I'm thankful good. already for – there's you know I've told you I live in a very unique neighborhood. And, and in this particular area, the entire – we'll call it a cul-de-sac – has already, like, they've had their decorations up since before Thanksgiving, but they're all lit up every night. And every time I come into the area in which I live, I can actually see the lights from there, even if I can't see the lights, because they, they show so it's much It's a beacon, up. just like the Three Kings. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting be. thing, and I do, I, like I said, I do think that it's part of the holiday spirit, and... You know, we have a lot to be thankful for this year, as we've said, and this is just one way for us to give back. So please do share those pictures with us. Um, you can find us here every week at soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. But you can also find us at uh, iTunes, courtesy of the 405 Media. You can find us on their website. You can find us on Spreaker, courtesy of um, AltCon Radio, where you can also find us if you are looking to listen. And uh, there are several other places, etc., that you can find us. If you have Google Play, you should be able to find us as well. Search the hashtag TJAMS. That's hashtag TJAMS, and you'll be able to find us. We do look forward to hearing from you and seeing the pictures and uh, wishing you all a very happy Hanukkah and a Merry Christmas. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And this is the Jimmy Mickey Show. We'll be back next week.